Good morning, Orlando. Top of the morning to you here at 6 o'clock on a Tuesday as we bring you our very first look at Orlando's news, weather, and traffic on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning an ex employee kills five and then himself at an Orlando business. And the London mayor doesn't want Trump in the UK for a state visit. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. Threaded through our three hours, of course, from all angles, mass murder in the workplace here in Orlando. Off the top, what we know about the shooter and the victims, next on Good Morning Orlando. And good Tuesday morning at 6.01 on News Radio 1025. A former employee is being identified as the gunman who shot and killed five people inside a business in Orlando. Orange County Sheriff Jerry Deming said the 45-year-old male suspect took his own life. The uh, gunman, identified as 45-year-old John Newman Jr., uh, had been involved in a workplace violence incident three years ago and was just fired in April. There were seven other employees at Fiamma Incorporated who survived the shooting. The dead included three men and a woman and a victim who died on the way to the hospital. Victims are being identified. Orange County Sheriff Jerry Deming says Robert Snyder, Brenda Montez Crespo, and Kevin Clark were among the five killed yesterday at the company's offices on Forsyth Road. The identities of the other two haven't yet been released. Some of the injured died on their way to the hospital. Uh, Overseas, a gunman who killed a man and took a woman hostage before dying in a police shootout had been acquitted of plotting a terror attack at a Sydney Army base years earlier. That's what police are saying today. Three police officers were wounded in that attack. The siege on Monday at an apartment building in a Melbourne suburb was being treated as an act of terror, but Victoria State Police Chief Commissioner Graham Ashton says the gunman appeared to have acted alone and not as part of any ongoing plot or threat. London's mayor is calling for the British government to cancel President Trump's future state visit. In an interview with British media, Sadiq Khan said he doesn't believe Britain should be rolling out the red carpet for Trump when his policies, quote, go against everything we stand for, end quote. Trump has taken aim at Khan on Twitter for saying Londoners had, quote, no reason to be alarmed following Saturday's terror attack that left seven dead. Khan has said he was telling people not to be worried about the increased police presence. Meanwhile, one of the men who was who killed seven people and injured several dozen more in that terrorist attack in London over the weekend is being linked to a Muslim imam in Dearborn, Michigan. Sheikh Ahmed Musa Jabril is popular on YouTube with ISIS militants and the Telegraph reports neighbors of Karam Shahzad Boot say he listened to a lot of Musa Jabril's messages. Buddha reportedly was radicalized by watching those videos, which remain online. Neighbors say he tried to radicalize their children, and they reported him to London police, but to no avail. Back here in the States, HBO is sticking with Bill Maher. The cable network issued a statement Monday saying he'd be back to host his show, Real Time with Bill Maher, on Friday night as scheduled. There had been some question, though, about a status after Maher sparked quite a bit of controversy with his use of the N-word during last week's show. He has since apologized, but Minnesota Senator Al Franken says he's canceling his appearance on the upcoming episode. And finally, today is the 73rd anniversary of D-Day. It was on this day back in 1944 that thousands of Allied troops invaded the beaches of Normandy, France. That event marked the beginning of the end of Nazi Germany as Allied forces fought and died in World War II. The invasion, of course, was a success, and Germany surrendered less than a year later. And Deb, throughout the show this morning, we will hear excerpts from the unbelievable address to the troops by Dwight Eisenhower, later our president, of course, then the supreme commander of Allied forces. It's really remarkable. And then the prayer on nationwide radio 
on the eve of the D-Day invasion by then-President Franklin Delano Roosevelt, expressing his faith in a way most leaders today in our country would have a hard time getting away with. It really is remarkable. You'll hear it all morning long here on Good Morning Orlando as we pay tribute to the heroes of D-Day 73 years ago. Yeah, definitely looking forward to hearing that. Right now, WFLA News Time at 6.05, and you can watch as a man jumps out of his car and into a moving vehicle to save the driver who is having a seizure. You can see it for yourself at 1025wfla.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. News, weather, traffic. This is Good Morning Orlando with Bud Hedinger and Deborah Roberts on News Radio 1025. Well, it's a difficult morning to be on the air, no question about it. That aside, always wonderful to be back with you after a couple of days off. Thanks to uh, Yaffe and, and Mark Logos for hosting In My Absence. And uh, we are here this morning. Uh, Deb, of course, with the news, top and bottom of the hour, whenever it breaks. If we have any updates in the wake of the mass murder at the uh, Fiamma uh, workplace here in Orlando, of course, you will hear them first on WFLA. Yaffe, executive producing this morning. Bryce screening calls all three hours. And uh, we will be talking about the shooter and what we know about each one of the victims. Because I do have information, although not a complete picture, on them all. And we need to understand that these are far more than statistics and just a body count. Um, These are people whose lives just stopped at the hands of a gunman. Motives not clear. But there's no justification in anyone's heart for this sort of thing, no matter what his issues were. These kind of apparent revenge killings in the workplace We'll deal with this at 7 o'clock because I'm going to pose you a question to which I have no good answer. How in the world do we stop this kind of terrorism, this kind of violence in the workplace? I do not have the answer, so I will seek the collective wisdom of the most astute audience in talk radio. That will be in our 7 o'clock hour. I'm looking at radar right now. We'll continue to follow this. We have kind of an open area, but a general field of rain moving from the Gulf into the Florida Peninsula will keep us on and off wet and at times very, very wet, the experts tell us, throughout the day and maybe even tomorrow and the day after that. Stay tuned for updates on the tens of traffic and weather and be very, very careful out there this morning. Leave a lot of room for that car in front of you. Because we want you here with us on the 50,000-watt front porch for the long haul. As we begin on Good Morning Orlando, the D-Day edition to the Frontgate Realty Studio, visit laurahasthebuyers.com. I'll tell you what I know about the shooter and his victims, and I will take your calls and texts coming up. 407-916-5400 is the phone line, and the text line is 23680. All of this in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic updated as well in only two minutes for you here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Soldiers, sailors, and airmen of the Allied Expeditionary Force, you are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. The words of... General Dwight D. Eisenhower, 73 years ago, is addressed to the troops who were about to storm the beaches of Normandy, France, to take down 
Hitler's Nazi Germany and end World War II in Europe. More excerpts throughout the program this morning, as well as you will be hearing excerpts from the remarkable D-Day prayer broadcast on Nationwide Radio live by President Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who reportedly wrote every word of it. A word in the wake of the uh, Fiamma workplace uh, massacre here. You know, they make they make parts for RVs, uh, awnings for RVs and campers and that sort of thing. Pretty big outfit, uh, uh, Italian-based, I understand. But at any rate, Orange County Sheriff Jerry Demings yesterday, I thought, just gave a great, um, a, a great accounting of himself. And he's just really cool under pressure. Gave good, succinct, uh, clear answers uh, to reporters, I thought, at length at a news conference. It had a com- tremendous command of what facts were available. And let me say this. He says after the 911 call, Orange County Sheriff's deputies were at Fiamma in two minutes. You cannot do better than that in a scenario like this. And I don't know how many more lives might have been saved. It is said that uh, the gunman, Newman, turned the pistol on himself and killed himself when he heard the sounds of the approaching sirens and the cops. So who knows how many lives were saved. That is police work worthy of praise. Wow. But it just was no way to get there soon enough to save everybody. What do we know about the gunman and the victims? As for the gunman, 45-year-old John Newman, it's a complex picture here of a man who kept to himself most of the time, kind of a secretive guy. The neighbors didn't really know him well, but they said, you know, he seemed to be basically a nice guy. You could, you know, you could engage him in conversation. One of the neighbors said he was really having a tough time after he'd been fired by Fiamma, and we don't know the circumstances of that. Um, Back in April, he had worked there for years. We do know that back in 2014, he had a serious incident there at Fiamma, Uh, He was accused of battering another employee. They investigated, but there were no charges filed. Uh, Newman had had a record, faced charges over the years stemming back to the mid-90s on larceny, fleeing and eluding law enforcement, several marijuana possession charges. Uh, It appears he didn't have a concealed weapons permit for the pistol that he carried uh, that engineered the carnage in Fiamma yesterday. Um... You know, the guy used to go to Orlando City soccer games, go to NASCAR races out in, in, in Daytona. He slipped through a back door. He knew how to get into the place, former employee, and uh, he seemed to target, Sheriff Demings said, very specific people for reasons that are not yet clear to us. It's interesting, the neighbor of uh, Newman, who was interviewed, said that in the wake of the firing, Newman was having a tough time. He was stressed. The quote, though, he didn't say why he was fired, but he said it was all my fault. All my fault. Didn't seem to be blaming anyone for his termination. He was honorably discharged from the U.S. Army in 1999. He um, attended Lake Brantley High School. He lived alone. That's about all we know about John Newman. I really do want to focus on the victims of this senseless mass murder. It's hard to know how in the world you uh, 
come to the conclusion that this is what you ought to be doing on a Monday morning. There are those who are out there saying, including Senator Bill Nelson, we need more programs and funds for mental health in this country. I don't know that there's a mental health component to this at all. The guy was a functioning member of society, seemed to be a reasonably nice guy to people he had limited contact with. I mean, you know, sometimes people just get super angry for whatever reason, and the rest of the time they're 100% together and not a danger to anybody, which is what really, really gives me the chills more than, 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 than the story of the victims that I'll share with you as I know them in a minute. How in the world do you guard against this? Every workplace has disgruntled employees and people who wind up getting fired. How in the world do you protect yourself from a guy coming back in with revenge on his heart and a gun on his hip? Everybody at the workplace, everywhere needs to be armed. No employer is going to go for that. It's not going to happen. Let me talk about the victims in a moment. 407-916-5400. Before the show gets away from me, you need to know who these people were. And we're beginning to get a profile, although there's much more we don't know. And there is just such heartbreak. These to a person appear to have been good employees good family people, and they are gone at the hands of this man with revenge in his heart, it appears. My fellow Americans, in this poignant hour, I ask you to join with me in prayer. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor. Then-President FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt's extraordinary D-Day prayer. And you will hear more as we mark the 73rd anniversary of the great invasion. D-Day, 1944, June 6th. On Sunday, the Sentinel reports 53-year-old Kevin Clark of Winter Springs was about as high as he could be on life celebrating his son's graduation from Lyman High School. Big, big family gathering. Family had had its share of heartbreak. Kevin's wife, Kelly, died several years ago. In the late 30s, he was raising their two kids, ages 18 and 14, by himself. There were those who described Kevin Clark as a guy who was never not happy, despite whatever hardships he might have in his life, that he had such a good attitude. He'd only worked at um, Fiamma a short time. They say he didn't have an enemy in the world. Apparently, he had one. He was shot and killed by John Newman. Kevin Clark. There's so much more I could tell you, but time does not permit. Let me go to Kevin Lawson, another one of the victims. 47-year-old husband and father from Longwood worked in shipping and receiving at Fiamma. He seemed to love his job. He wrote a review of working at Fiamma saying that it was the he gave the highest rating to the work that their, com- that their company did, that the quality and the customer service is excellent. I would recommend purchasing a Fiyama awning over the competitors any day. He um, was an ROTC back in high school, loved to ride his motorcycle. He was described as somebody, well, so good that you could not ask for a better friend than Kevin Lawson. Brenda Montañez Crespo. The first face people saw when they walked into Fiamma 
and was always smiling, described as a ray of sunshine, someone with a smile that would light up a room, the sweetest woman in the world. Jeff Roberts, age 57. He and his wife have been married for 37 years, described as a wonderful dad, an amazing grandfather, a good manager, a strong leader, treated his co-workers with dignity and respect. Another victim, Robert Snyder. He um, loved to stop by a, a billiards parlor in Winter Park for a couple of games, and he was pretty good at billiards and a beer with his buddies before heading home to his beloved wife, Lois. They said he was a kind, fair man who knew his way around a pool table, but he was really dedicated to his family and his work. You could not ask for a better man. He took care of his family. Just a hell of a guy he was described as, Robert Snyder. Patrons say they will miss his quiet, compassionate demeanor. Just a mellow, nice guy. Absolutely awesome. All five are gone at the hands of this man with apparent workplace revenge on his heart and a pistol on his hip. And that's what we know this morning. I just had to do this in the first half hour of the show because I think you wanted to know about these people, that they were more than just crime statistics and bodies bloodied in a workplace. We'll have other angles on this, plus how do you stop such a thing from happening? I don't think I have a good answer to that. I'm hoping maybe you do. We'll talk about it together in our next, on our next hour. Deborah Roberts joining us right now. Deb, as is typical here every morning on uh, Good Morning Orlando on the 50,000-watt front porch. Folks are waking up and joining us minute by minute. And um, I know it's time to get us up to date for the folks who were just tuning in now on the biggest story we've reported on in some time locally, and a terrible story it is. Yes, it is. And uh, the, the only good takeaway is that we know a little bit more about the man who opened fire on his former co-workers at an Orange County business Monday morning. According to Sheriff Jerry Demings, the shooter was identified as John Robert Newman, Jr. This individual lives alone, uh, has no family here in the area. Uh, we are trying to understand as much about him as we possibly can. What I can tell you is that uh, our records indicate that he is a veteran of the U.S. Army, uh, discharged honorably back in 1999. Deming said Newman had worked there several years at Fiamma and had a negative relationship with at least one of his former co-workers. The sheriff said Newman specifically targeted his victims but told one temporary employee to leave the building. Seven people inside the building survived. Newman had been fired by, from Fiamma last April. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Governor Scott is asking Floridians to keep Orlando in its thoughts after a year of mass tragedies. During a ceremonial bill signing in Panama City, Governor Scott started out by expressing his condolences to the families of the five victims of the Fiamma shootings here in Orlando. My heart goes out to the families in um, Orlando that uh, lost their loved ones today. Um, the, uh, I was kept surprised this morning uh, by local law enforcement, and you can just imagine these senseless acts and uh, 
Uh, it's just horrible that it happened. He said in a statement, quote, over the past year, the Orlando community has been challenged like never before. Scott continued in the statement to ask all Floridians to pray for the families impacted by this senseless act of violence. A man who survived a shooting at his workplace is offering advice for those ever caught in a similar situation. Rafael Barrios was picking up his paycheck at Tampa's Radisson Bay Harbor Hotel 18 years ago when a gunman killed four of Barrios's co-workers. He talked yesterday after the deadly workplace shooting in Orlando about the importance of knowing your surroundings. He says workers should learn where the entrances and exits are in their building, as well as the little ins and outs of your building. Police in Britain say the brother of the Manchester suicide bomber has been released. Ishmael Abadi was arrested in Manchester the day after the terror attack, which killed 22 people. Suicide bomber Salman Abadi's other brother, Hashem Abadi, was arrested in Tripoli for plotting attacks in Libya. You can get these stories and more at 1025wfla.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando continues now. Thank you, Deb. Deb will be back. Deb Roberts with the news, top and bottom of the hour, whenever it breaks. We've invited Orange County Sheriff Jerry Demings to come on the program this morning, and uh, we will put him on anytime he becomes available. Right now, it's time for the daily Bloomberg Business Report as we bring in Gina Cervetti live from the Bloomberg Newsroom in New York City. Good Tuesday morning to you, Gina. And good Tuesday morning to you, bud. What can you tell us about the stock market futures and the performance yesterday? Well, a little quiet this morning. The stock futures are flat to just a little bit lower here. We have oil down by not too much, about nine cents at $47.31 a barrel. We have something called the JOLTS report out today. That's job openings and labor turnover for April. Yesterday, the Dow was down about 22 points and closed at 21,184. The S&P was down three points, about a tenth of a percent to 24.36. The NASDAQ fell 10 to 62.96. Investors are watching for some events lying ahead this week, including the U.K. vote Thursday, a European Central Bank meeting, and former FBI head James Comey at Congress. Yeah, absolutely. That's going to be a big, big story. No question about it. Apple, um, whatever they're up to, boy, I'll tell you what, people listen. They want to know. And apparently Apple has a new venture. Am I right on that? Yeah, Apple is now in the growing field of voice-controlled speakers for the home, taking on early leaders Amazon and Google. Apple's speaker is called HomePod, and it emphasizes music. Unlike Amazon's new Echo Show, the Apple device does not have a screen. It will allow users to talk to Siri. That's Apple's digital assistant. Now, the HomePod costs $349. That's almost double the price of most rival products. This is Apple's first major hardware product since the Apple Watch was released a couple of years ago, and it comes as Apple is looking for new revenue after become heavily reliant on the iPhone. Amazon really commands this market right now with its Echo. And speaking of Amazon, you got a Bloomberg item this morning on what they're up to. Yeah, they're out with a new monthly Prime subscription offer for customers who are receiving government assistance. Those with a valid electronic benefits transfer or EBT card qualify for the discount, which puts the price of the Prime service at around $72 a year. That's about $50 off the regular current new offer price, according to Amazon, Amazon's website. But you do get a 30-day free trial on that. All right, fair enough. Before you go, uh, Gina, you've got a couple of... Uh telemarketing stories that you want to bring us this morning in the Bloomberg Business Report. Take it away. Dish Network must pay $280 million to the U.S. in four states. 
uh, to settle a deal where robocalls were going to consumers who are already on uh, do-not-call lists. The government says this is a record fine for telemarketing violations. The states are Illinois, California, North Carolina, and Ohio. Uh, the company disagrees with the ruling, says it's going to appeal it. But the government says that Dish made more than 55 million illegal calls. A Dish was blaming contractors and subcontractors, but the judge said a Dish knew what they were up to and didn't do anything about it. Now, separately, mm -hmm. maybe you didn't hear the phone ring, but then you check your voicemail and you actually have a message from a yeah, telemarketer. Yeah, that happens to me, yes. Well, three state attorney generals have taken the lead and are asking the Federal Communications Commission to put a stop to these ringless robocall messages. Officials from New York, Massachusetts, and Kentucky say the FCC should not exempt ringless calls from restrictions on robocalls under the Telephone Consumer Protection Act. Uh, one company is arguing that these aren't actually uh, considered calls. Oh, come on. Give me a break. <laughs> Uh, it's funny how that works, though, isn't it? Yes. I don't. Uh, I, I don't know sneaky. about you, but the cell phone has really started to get a lot more of these telemarketing calls I than know they it. used to. I don't like it. I I think we need better defenses. You know, I mean, we ought to be able to consume what we want. You know, and and not have stuff foisted upon us that we cannot control. And, and that's where I've always been on that issue. Thank you so much. I know there'll be more coming down the pike on that, Gina. Always great being with you. And thank you for joining us from New York City with our Tuesday morning Bloomberg Business Report. All right, bud. Have a good day. Thank you. You too. You as well. All right, President Trump, he's not only fighting the war on terrorism and getting very little credit for what he is doing and what he is advocating, but he is also fighting the relentless onslaught of the ATM machine. We'll have that in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic for you in two minutes on News Radio 1025 WFLA. In company with our brave allies and brothers in arms on other fronts, you will bring about the destruction of the German war machine, the elimination of Nazi tyranny over the oppressed peoples of Europe, and security for ourselves in a free world. The supreme commander of Allied forces in World War II in the European theater, Dwight Eisenhower, addressing the troops 73 years ago, D-Day, June 6, 1944. More excerpts to come, including more from then-President uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt and his extraordinary nationally broadcast prayer to the nation. So I come back from a couple of days away and try to get up to speed. And boy, I got to tell you, the ATM machine, the anti-Trump media machine, as I call them, are up full throttle on all fronts. Already in a feeding frenzy about the Comey testimony before the Senate on Thursday, thinking this may be it. This may set the stage for obstruction of justice and the impeachment and conviction and the destruction of Donald Trump and his presidency. You can't get away from it. And then they're all siding with the mayor of London, this Muslim over there, who says all the right things about the scourge of radical Islamic terrorism, but he's not tough enough on it, and I don't think he, by nature and by background and ideology, is inclined to be as tough as they need to be. They've got a nightmare there in England and most of Europe because of political correctness, driving open borders, and come, we'll embrace you. We love 
our Muslim population, even though within it lurk reportedly now tens of thousands of radical Islamic terrorists in London and surrounding areas. It's an absolute nightmare. And the London mayor said there's no reason to be alarmed. Londoners will see an increased police presence over the course of the next few days after the terrorist attack over the weekend. You've heard a lot about, and and Yaffe talked about yesterday. But, you know, the the fact of the matter is when Trump goes after him and says, oh, come on, you got to give me a break. We got seven dead and 48 wounded in the terrorist attacks. And and the mayor says there's no reason to be alarmed. Well, you took it out of context, et cetera, et cetera. Now the mayor of London doesn't want Trump to be able to come over there for a state visit in England. You know, I mean, just give me a break. And they're, of course, going crazy. The ATM machine, the anti-Trump media machine. In the wake of the radical Islamic terrorist attack in London over the weekend, Trump's talking tough about protecting America, demanding the courts approve his travel ban from largely Muslim countries with significant numbers of radical Islamic terrorists in their populations and no credible way of vetting anyone coming from those countries to the U.S. I am totally behind our president on the travel ban. But listen to MSNBC news anchor Thomas Roberts. Again, he's supposed to be an objective newsman, not an opinion guy. The president doesn't want us to be politically correct, right? So let's not be PC about this. Is the president trying to provoke a domestic terrorist attack with this Twitter rant? Because only to prove himself right. You know, what, what kind of a comment is that from a supposedly objective network news anchor? It's incredible. That's the ATM machine in full throttle to destroy this president. At least that's how I see it. How do you see it? Let's talk all things war on terror, Trump-related. 407-916-5400. Text line 23680. Do I have it right or do you see it another way? Let's talk. 407 916 5400. Lead them straight and true. Give strength to their arms, stoutness to their hearts, steadfastness in their faith. They will need thy blessings. Their road will be long and hard. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt, 73 years ago, on the D-Day invasion with his prayer for the nation and the troops. More ahead. Now, um, Yaffe, you were hosting yesterday morning, right? Yes. And yes, then, yet, then, of course, the story broke toward the end of the show. You wound up actually uh, becoming a reporter and, uh, and servicing some stations uh, for 24-7 News. We sent you out to the news conference with Sheriff Demings and, uh, and the others, right? Yeah, I was able to, to update the latest on what was going on out there. Excellent. What an awful story this yeah, is. exactly. Yeah, and uh, you have a show tonight in prime time here on WFLA, right? Yes, I do, 8 to 10 p.m. Uh, we'll talk about whatever's breaking, and uh, we'll definitely talk about this issue that we're talking about right now, I'm sure. No question about it. Beyond Reason with Yaffe live tonight at 8. Uh, on the uh, issue of uh, my support for the embattled president, anything on the text line there, Yaffe? Uh, one person says, you nailed it, bud man. So, I mean, they're just happy with you. Well, You, you are so right today, bud. That well, that's what the texters are saying. Well, you'd think I'd be a little rusty. I've been off a couple of days <laughs> no, here. No, no, no. It's just like riding a bicycle. Well, uh, I, yes, in, in a way it is, you know. 
when 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 you you know when you believe as firmly as I do that we've got a major issue with radical Islamic terrorism and we're going to become Europe in terms of the frequency and severity of this stuff before you know it if we don't take measures and throw political correctness to the wind and stop worrying about whether we offend peace-loving Muslims. We need peace-loving Muslims to become as vigilant as we are and as proactive as the rest of the population here and not be silent on this in ferreting out terrorists among us. We need all the non-military weapons that are out there to defend ourselves against radical Islam, and a travel ban is one of them. So that's where I am on this, Yaffe. I'm yeah, and fired think, up. And I think what you said on the media is well said. It seemed like the media was more focused on Trump's comments and reacting to his comments than, you know, the terrorist attack. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And the threat we face. They want to deny it. We will not deny it here. Ben from Claremont, good morning. Morning, bud. Uh, I think the ATMs and the liberal left, I tried to talk about a runaway engine. I didn't explain it very well, but the engine is starting to come apart. You think the anti-Trump media machine is breaking down? What evidence do you cite on that? They are flying apart. The engines over-rev eventually, and they start flying apart. The liberal left, this Kathy Griffin and uh, Bill Maher, they've done destroyed their reputations. They just broke off of the engine. And the media is just screaming. Well, they are screaming, wait till Thursday with Comey. That'll be interesting. They're already spinning the heck out of that, hoping it's the last nail in the coffin of this presidency and this president, and it is not going to be, in my not-so-humble opinion. All right, we, um, we're going to shift gears in the next hour, and, and we're going to talk about if there's any way to stop the kind of thing that happened in the Fiamma workplace here in Orlando yesterday, a revenge killing by all indications by a former employee, disgruntled, who had been fired. How in the world can that be prevented? It is frightening and chilling to me because everybody's got a workplace, you know, and everybody's got disgruntled employees, a part of it, who are shown the door. How do you protect yourself when they come back? I don't know that there is a way, but I want to find out what you think. And if you want to call me now, 407-916-5400. Text line 23680. Good morning, Orlando. At the top of the 7 o'clock hour on a Tuesday morning, you're just in time for our latest look at Orlando's news, weather, and traffic on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning an ex employee kills five and then himself at an Orlando business, and the recent rains and our wildfire threat. We'll have the details in one minute. Is there any way to prevent workplace revenge killings? Let's talk next on Good Morning Orlando. And good Tuesday morning at 7.04 on News Radio 1025. Orange County Sheriff Jerry Deming says disgruntled employee Army veteran John Newman Jr. is the gunman who shot and killed five of his former co-workers inside a business in Orlando Monday morning. The shooting comes just one week before the community marks the Pulse nightclub shooting in which a terrorist killed 49 people and wounded dozens more. As always, Orange County Mayor Teresa Jacobs says vigilance is always key. And it is incumbent upon all of us not to become complacent or become callous to these horrific situations, but for each of our citizens to be vigilant. If they see something that seems abnormal, they need to say something. 
The five victims, all of whom were shot in the head, have been identified in yesterday's attack. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. So many people, officials and otherwise, saying all of the right things, speaking straight from their heart, but I've yet to have anybody come up with a solution to the problem of how in the world do you prevent a former employee fired from coming back and taking revenge. I don't know how you stop it, and we will seek answers from the smartest audience in talk radio right after you're done with the news, Deb. Because what's what's amazing, but in this particular case, is he was fired back in April. He'd been sitting and stewing on this, and, you know, I don't know because he'd had an incident with a, a former co-worker yeah. three or four years ago. Um, I, I don't know. Yeah, like they never you. filed charges, you know, and I mean, he, he has Tried a to re- handle it in house. He has a record, et cetera, um, dating back some years. But he was just, you know, he was just uh, living his life and, and, and going about his business in, in a, what seemed to be a totally sane way. And then something happened here. And how in the world can you be on guard in your workplace for the prospect of that every single day you work? You cannot do that. No, you can't. You wouldn't be able to succeed in business or yeah. elsewhere. Yeah, we'll get into it here in a moment. Well, speaking of uh, all the traffic problems and the rain that is helping that today, a wave of low pressure developing over the northern Gulf is going to bring us even more rain this week, especially today. John McMichael with the National Weather Service here in Florida says it's definitely coming, though, at the right time. That with the moisture that we have over the region is going to produce widespread showers and isolated thunderstorms over the region during the next 48 to 72 hours. Um, this rainfall will be helping the fire danger that has been in, you know, in place over the region for the last several months. Um, so every drop we get, it will be beneficial for that purpose. Yeah, definitely. McMichael says some parts of Florida, especially here in central Florida, could see one to three inches of rain over the next couple of days. You know, it's interesting, Deb. I'm looking at Doppler radar, and right now all we have over metro Orlando and central Florida is light scattered rain. A lot of heavy stuff out in the Gulf yeah. coming our way. Big stuff down in South Florida, not headed this way, um, but we may get through the commute without too many problems. But obviously, we're having a nightmare on the roads already with a little rain that we've had. Yeah, we already have. You know, we've got a uh, five-mile uh, backup on I-4. We've got multiple crashes, including two involving tractor trailers. So definitely uh, check for alternate routes. Listen for the traffic reports and give yourself some extra time this morning. You bet. You can also uh, read about Apple unveiling a new iMac and a HomePod speaker at 1025wfla.com. The second hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. From News Radio 1025, this is Good Morning Orlando. It's very unsettling to me when I host a program in which I'm supposed to have the answers and opinions on the Issues of the day. Deb, if you ask me how we prevent such a thing as happened yesterday at Fiamma from happening at another workplace here in Central Florida, I don't have the answer to that question. I don't either. I mean, honestly, I I know that, you know, I had done a story earlier about someone who had survived a workplace shooting who said, you know, once again, you have to know your entrances, your exits of your building. You need to know the little ins and outs. I can tell you, I I already have a plan on where I am taking you and Mike Yaffe and Bryce, the phone screener, should anything ever happen. I've, I've had that plan for years. But in terms of, you know, when you get those emails that say, please wish so and so, you know, a bright future is their departing employee. Yeah. Do we need to get worried now? Yeah, I know. And, I, and I don't have the answers like you, and it's scary. I have an exhaustive study in, in front of me, and I'm not going to share it because it doesn't have any answers. It is by a supposed expert on this kind of thing. Uh, the threat from within preventing workplace violence. 
Firing the violent or threatening employee without being fired on. It offers no answers for a scenario like yesterday. Let's see what you think here in Central Florida. How do you prevent this? How? I have no earthly idea. 407-916-5400, text line 23680. And uh, that's where we begin in this second hour here in the wake of just a terrible local tragedy. We focused on the victims and the gunmen and what we know in the last hour. Now let's talk about, is there any way at all to prevent such a thing in any workplace in Central Florida? 407-916-5400, text line 23680. Please help me on this one. We'll have that in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in two minutes for you on News Radio 1025 WFLA. The tide has turned. The free men of the world are marching together to victory. I have full confidence in your courage, devotion to duty, and skill in battle. We will accept nothing less than full victory. General Dwight Eisenhower addressing the troops on the eve of the D-Day invasion, June 6, 1944, 73 years ago. Now back to matters at hand locally. How do we prevent what appears to be, well, clearly yesterday in the minds of the sheriff, a, a workplace revenge killing. This guy was fired, don't know the circumstances. He'd had an incident with an employee a couple of years ago, but they kept him on. He'd worked there for years. Um, a neighbor who was interviewed said that, th- that this guy, Newman, um, felt that when he was fired in April, he said, it was all my fault. It was all my fault. Didn't sound like revenge then, did it? But suddenly it became that. He apparently targeted these five particular people and spared the lives of the others before taking his own life as police called um, closed in. And by the way, the cops got there reportedly just two minutes after the 911 call. You cannot get better police work than that. At least I don't think so. How do you prevent such a thing? And I don't know how you do it because every every workplace has disgruntled employees and you know, and, and, and you got to worry about the ones who are disgruntled while they're working with you. And then you got the other dimension here. Once you fire them and they're gone, have they come back? How do you prevent them from just walking in the door? He slipped in a back door here and engineered the carnage. And I know where some of you were going to go with this, and I appreciate where you're headed, but I don't think it's the answer, Woody. Good morning to you. You're on with the, bell, the Bud Man from Deltona, Woody. Good morning, Bud. I wanted, to, I wanted to thank all the vets this morning for D-Day, first of all. And the answer is concealed carry, bud. It's got to be concealed carry. When I, when I uh, worked, uh, I'm retired now, but when I worked in Ohio, um, I carried, I got my concealed carry license, and my boss is the only one that knew that I carried. Yeah. L- let, me, uh, let, me, let, me, let me tell you something. Yeah. I love you, man, and I love your comment about the vets and D-Day and all of that, and it's great. And I love where your heart is here. This is never going to happen. Workplaces are not going to allow guns on the job. They're not going, generally generally speaking, that is not going to be so. It would never happen here because I'll tell you, we have eight, nine radio stations here all in one building, Woody. Let me give you just our example here. You've got people who are under pressure and deadlines, et cetera. And you would you there would be a fear of just carnage 
every day, every week, if there were people, everybody was armed to try to stop the guy, the disgruntled employee who was fired from coming back in the building, they'd be killing each other. That would be the way the employer looked at it, and they would never allow concealed carry in the workplace. And I venture to say your workplace is an exception, not the rule, Woody. I don't think so, bud. I'll tell you, I'll give you a perfect example. Before I moved down here to Florida, I got my concealed carry. The very next year, they passed a law that we were allowed to carry our guns into bars as long as we weren't drinking. And everybody said, oh, my, they're going to have shootouts in bars, and it'll be, it'll be chaos. And it was not. As a matter of fact, it went the other way. All right, Woody, well, you, all right, you've made the case. You and I fundamentally disagree, respectfully, and I appreciate you being with me on the 50,000-watt front porch. Now, who's got it right? You may think in your heart, well, sure, if all those employees were armed with a concealed weapon they had a permit for at Fiamma, maybe after the first one was cut down, they would have cut down the gunman, and the body count would have gone down. But what about on a daily basis? If I ran a company, I would not allow my employees to have guns on the job. I would not allow it because I couldn't be sure what about everybody's nature and character, no matter how much you know them when you hire them, there are things you're never going to know. You don't know about tempers. You don't know about arguments. You don't know about spur-of-the-moment violent outbursts. And when somebody's got a gun... If I ran a company, I would not allow concealed carry. I, I, I would hold my breath every day in a workplace like that. Yes, I think it would help stop a revenge killer coming in. But at what day-to-day cost? Tell me, who's got it right on this concealed carry issue? The Bud Man or Woody from Deltona? 407-916-5400. We'll check the text line at 23680. I haven't heard from you yet. This is important stuff. Is there a way to prevent this? I don't think concealed carry is going to work because there are not going to be nearly a significant percentage of employers who would ever greenlight such a thing for the reasons I cited, as much as I'm a Second Amendment guy. Lord, give us faith. Give us faith in thee, faith in our sons, faith in each other. Faith in our united crusade. More excerpts from FDR's Prayer to the Nation and the D-Day troops 73 years ago, June 6, 1944. Um, Scott's not too happy listening to the show this morning from Sanford. You're on the 50,000-watt front porch. Scott, how can I help you? Scott, good morning. Okay, I'm going to put him on hold, and I'm going to go to Ralph's take on whether there's a way to prevent these revenge killings, the likes of which we saw yesterday in the workplace in Orlando. Good morning, Ralph, on the turnpike heading south. Yeah. Hey, um, I'm a pretty good shot. Um, most people can't hit hit somebody running. Um, I, I won't carry because I can, and I got a hot temper. Uh, but the reality is, if somebody comes into a workplace, you can't hide from the guy unless you got a lot of room. You got to go to got got to go to the attack. And put the attack on them. If you're, if you're within a couple of feet, go after them. If you're not within a couple of feet, run. But, the, you know, it, it, it's that simple. Um, I think it's up to the employer whether or not you let everybody carry. It's a free country. 
and I think it should remain free, and I don't think that should be a government call in any way, shape, or form. Says on the screen, you support concealed carry but not at work. Is that your bottom line? No, sir. I think that's the employer's call. Okay, thank you. I would not work here. We have a lot of wonderful people, but it's a pressure cooker of a business in the radio business, and I don't know everybody well enough to be comfortable with the prospect of everybody carrying a gun in the workplace. It would frighten me to death. And I don't think our company would ever, ever approve such a thing. Here is Brian. Good morning. Yeah, yeah, how you doing today? I'm all right. I'm, uh, I'm upset about this story, as I hope everybody would be. Um, I'd like to know your take on the question of this hour on um, preventing workplace revenge attacks like we saw yesterday. So I think the answer here is that you're looking at things a little bit wrong um, in the sense that it's not something that you can risk. Or sorry, not, it's not a risk you can avoid, rather. You can't avoid hurricanes, you can't avoid earthquakes, you can't avoid human nature. I think as an employer, your responsibility is to try to treat your employer as decently and civilly as possible and try to deal with issues before they become hostile. Um, as for concealed carry, Again, if you hire right and you treat your people well, I don't know why you'd be worried about them shooting somebody. That's an interesting question. I want you to listen, Brian. Thank you for the call as we bring in Bill from DeBerry, who has an experience, uh, a little experience in this area. Good morning, Bill. Yeah, so, but, so there was a dental office. I'm not going to mention which one or where the city is located in. However, a dental office where a patient came in, was disgruntled with the bill, locked the door as they walked in, and started ranting and raving. So the lady behind the counter grabbed the fire extinguisher and went out front and was getting ready to blast her with the fire extinguisher. Well, the dentist uh, was very upset, clearly, as he's out there as well. And so it wasn't too terribly long after that that he offered concealed weapon for all the employees within the office, and several of the ladies have taken him up on that. And this particular dental office does carry. And um, right. and if you, uh, if you go in there, <laughs> you cause trouble. Uh, you're going to have real trouble. All right, Bill, thank you. Maybe that works in a really small workplace. We're really late here, guys. Got to bring Deb on. Yaffe, Bryce, thoughts on this quickly? Well, I tend to agree with what one of the texters said. Said you cannot prevent it, but you can minimize the carnage with the Second Amendment. I think, you know, you can't prevent something like this entirely, but you should be able to defend yourself. You really want you want concealed carry among all the employees where we work, sir? Sure. You're out of the your fact, mind. The fact is, most times in, in situations, concealed carry permit holders are the most law-abiding citizens ever. And as Woody said, usually in cities and places and workplaces where this happens, you don't have the violence. You have less violence than you would have anywhere else. The fear you want is a unrational fear, basically. I don't think it is. I'm not given to irrational fears, Mike. I, I, yes, I'm really are. in this no, situation not, you are because I, I, most time concealed carry permits, it's an unrational fear because most of the time in workplaces you have it. Otherwise, you would have shootings in gun stores every day in this country. Deb, we're playing on your nickel here because it's your time here for the news at the bottom of the hour. How would you feel if we had concealed carry um, here at our uh, complex of radio stations? Would you support that? Yeah. See, I don't. I, I think there's too many people I don't know well enough in a pressure cooker situation, get angry with somebody else and act on it with a gun in the workplace. I don't think that's the answer. I already know there's people that are already packing. It's just not an approved policy. Yeah. Would you approve it if you ran it? Absolutely. I would never do that. Absolutely. 
I think given the hours that we arrive, absolutely. Given the fact that we have, I'm, I'm worried. I'm worried about relationships with them. I and mean, we have a couple of hundred people who are working in all of our radio stations here. I know a lot of them. I I would trust you with my life, but there's a lot of people I don't know. You people get angry, under pressure, etc. But that kind of fear, though, is what usually encourages governments to get rid of the Second Amendment because they no, always not, use that no. argument of well, fear, and people could use it at any time, and then that's. Mm-hmm. The argument you usually used to take away our rights. Don't cast me as anti-Second Amendment, Mike, with all due respect. I'm talking I'm just about a very specific situation same, But I'm here. saying the logic's the same. All right, well, we'll talk more. we got to get to the news here, and indeed we will, Deb. Um, we'll have that in Orlando's news, weather and traffic, coming right up here with Deborah Roberts at the bottom of the hour. Good morning, Orlando. Deb, the phones and the text line are on fire over is there any way to prevent workplace revenge killings and is concealed carry among the workforce the answer i say it is not in most cases now let's go to the phones yeah let's talk to bertha see what bertha has to say this morning good morning bertha hi how you doing david nice to talk to you nice to talk to you as well so what what's your take on uh, my how to take st- is you got employers have to spend the money to have a metal detectors Everybody got to come through. You can't go to the courthouse without going through a metal detector. Everybody's life is just as important as the courthouse. If you have a back door, it can only be open from the inside. But you can't put a price on the employees' lives. Well, that's, that's a, yeah, I could see that. I, I don't see employers, you know, doing that without taking it out of an employee's paycheck. But well, let's they t- shouldn't have to do it. Yeah. You shouldn't have to do it. But everybody put a price on lives. You can't put a price on a life. Yeah, that is true, Bertha. That is true. And now Bob um, says that he uh, actually has a question for you, bud. Good Go morning, ahead, Bob. Go ahead, Bob. You're on from West Orlando with the Deb Meister and the Bud Man, Yaffe and Company. Good morning. Hey, bud. Haven't I heard you advocate for concealed carry in the schools? Well, I've, I've advocated for having somebody... A very small number, say, on the administrative staff trained in using a firearm to carry concealed to stop somebody coming in to, you know, engineer something like uh, Newtown Massacre, a Sandy Hook, etc. But not for everybody in the school on the staff to be packing heat. I've never called for that. And not for where you work, right, bud? No, not here. There's too many hotheads. <laughs> but isn't that hypocritical? I don't think so. I think it's very hypocritical. Do you? Yeah, I mean, yeah, really? Would, would, would you advocate? Would you advocate? Would you ad, would you advocate fully armed workplaces as the deterrent for what happened at Fiamma yesterday? I, nobody advocated fully armed. They advocated having concealed carry and somebody being able to carry a weapon in the workplace. Bud, I will grant you, Bob, that if somebody had a weapon, we might have been able to save some lives yesterday. But the idea of just concealed carry, you know, throughout the workplace is something I will never support. That frightens me. Anyway, Deb, we're just uh, we're on the back end of your time slot. What do you got? No, that's okay. Let's go in and ask uh, Yaffe what uh, the text line has to say. Mike, any uh, any support for the Bud Man on the text line? Um, no, very little. Oh, okay. <laughs> most most people are Bud. supporting uh, you, Deb. Some somebody said you're right. A lot of people are saying because uh, I guess Woody was the first one who supported our caller Woody. So I get a lot of people saying Team Woody. They're on Team Woody. Um, so, so there you go. 
All right. Okay. Well, that's all right. I don't mind being a lone ranger on this. I'm still. This is what I. This is what I believe. By the way, we're going to move the sound judgment game into the eight o'clock hour because we got so many folks who want to weigh in. Most of whom want to let me have it figuratively, and uh, we will get to that in our next segment. So don't quit on us here if we can't get to you right now, Deb. Done? Yes, I'm done. Game, I'm going to go match. back into the newsroom and get ready for the 8 o'clock, and I'm going to um, avoid the incoming. I can see him coming in. Sorry, I was a little oh, distracted. Thanks I, a lot. I was scared. Getting a lot of help here. Yes. <laughs> I'm out of here. They're all bailing off the 50,000-watt front porch. I feel like Davy Crockett at the Alamo, you know? <laughs> They're all coming over the wall at the Budman. All right. I can handle it. All right. Wow. Um... Good luck, and let us all beseech the blessing of Almighty God upon this great and noble undertaking. The final words of General Dwight D. Eisenhower, the Supreme Commander of the Allied Forces, addressing the troops with his rousing speech on the eve of the D-Day invasion 73 years ago. As I say, Yaffe, it's not looking good for the Bud Man as the texters are weighing in 23680 on the text line. My point is, I'm a Second Amendment guy, but arming the workplace with everybody being able to carry concealed weapons, I think, is an invitation to more carnage, not less, as we look for a way, if there is any, to prevent the kind of workplace revenge killings that we apparently saw yesterday morning with such tragic results in Orlando. Well, yeah, and you had said earlier you feel like Davy Crockett at the Alamo because of all the incoming against you on the text line and the phones. Well, a texter pointed out that uh, Davy Crockett had guns Well, he had old Betsy. He had his rifle until he <laughs> ran out of bullets, and then he turned it around and he whacked the Mexicans with the butt of his gun, but he went down. All right, what else you got? Uh, one person says, Bud, sounds like you want a safe space. Yeah, I do. I need some protection here. Oh, well, please. I did get one texter who said, we'll protect you, bud. Oh, so there you go. I don't know. This is getting nasty here. And Deb bailed on me, too. Did you see that? Yeah, you, just... you, you thought she was going to support you on this, too. I know. <laughs> the you one guys... time you thought she was going to, and she didn't. Yeah, don't come to me. I know. I got no help here at all. Okay. <laughs> bud the Lone Ranger, seeing if I can find a tano out there somewhere. Joe from Titusville, are you with me or not? I, of course I'm with you, bud, even though I don't agree with you on most things. and actuality, carrying guns does not make you safer. It is your constitutional right to carry them. Well, it depends it on does. what the circumstance is. I think there are places where it makes you vastly safer. I don't know about well, everybody having big packing heat in the workplace. I think that's a nightmare well, that's, in America. But the point, the point is that inducing guns into a society makes you more likely to be shot because too many people get too emotional. Instead of having a fist fight, they pull out their guns. So are you an anti-Second Amendment guy? Are you one of these Linguini-spine lefties? No, I'm a veteran, bud. All right. I've talked to you for a lot of years. Yeah. the, The point I'm making is that there's too many hotheads out there. That's and it. What happens, and what happens to the cops who come into a situation where people are shooting? Or maybe, or maybe when you have a gun and you go to a situation, who's the good guy and who's not? You have to make that decision, yeah. okay? And you're unsuited to make that decision because you're not trained for it. So- yeah, listen, Joe, you make some excellent points. You really do. 
Um, but let, let's get back to the situation at Fiamma here in Orlando. This guy slips in the back door. He's a disgruntled, fired employee. He was gone in April. How do you protect yourself against that? He walks in. He's a familiar face. Nobody's going to say, oh, my God, there comes John. Everybody duck. And before anybody can do anything, he's just going to be taking out one person after another. Now, if somebody, a supervisor, had a weapon in there, maybe a couple of lives would have been saved. But there's no way to have stopped all the carnage that I am aware of. Nick, good morning. (laughs) Weigh in, please. And welcome to the 50,000-watt front porch. Whoops. It says Joe on line two. Is it Nick or is it Joe? It's Nick. Nick. Yeah, I just picked up Joe's call. My bad. All right. Go ahead there, Nick. So I'm definitely not with you on this one. I think you're missing the point on this. Is You're making it sound like everybody's going to be mandated to carry a concealed weapon. First of all, if it's a concealed weapon, you're never going to know they have it because it's concealed. Second of all, they still have to go through all the appropriate courses and everything to get that concealed permit. It's not like the wild, wild west where they're all going to be walking around with six shooters on their hip. Yeah, I know. It's that. still going to be. And furthermore, if, if a company doesn't have a, a no-gun policy in place, there's probably already people carrying concealed weapons there, and you never even know because they're concealed weapons. I just don't want my employer green-lighting that, knowing people are under pressure and in the spur of the moment with some of the hotheads. I'd, I'd, well, in most workplaces, I think it frightens me, the prospect. It really, really does. I appreciate the debate. It has been just terrific, and I hope somewhat productive and mentally stimulating. But I still don't see in anything I've heard from anybody here the answer to how you prevent the next revenge killing by a former disgruntled fired employee in any workplace. Okay. The peace that will let all men live in freedom, reaping the just rewards of their honest toil. Thy will be done. Almighty God. Final words of FDR's prayer to the American people and the troops on the eve of the D-Day invasion 73 years ago, June 6th, 1944. How do we prevent the kind of revenge killings by disgruntled, fired employees who come back into the workplace armed to the teeth? I'm sorry, arming the workplaces of America I believe, is a prescription for far more carnage than we see with these revenge killings. I don't know that there's an answer here, which I find very unsettling, but I haven't found one, with all due respect, in any call or text I've heard in this hour. William, you're up last from Orlando in this hour. Good morning, and welcome to Good Morning Orlando. Good morning, Bob. How are you doing this morning? Fine, thanks. It's good to have you with me on this very difficult day. Go ahead. It sure is. Yes, um, I have to be uh, agree with you 100%. Um, it just like I think uh, we are far, far away from uh, tolerance and uh, there's a lot of anger and frustration in people. And I guess the most attainable would be we just turned away from God and that was creating all this mess. So I'm not, I won't be safe having a coworker with a, you know, carrying a, a weapon. Thank you. Thank you, William. Neither am I. Particularly, you, you point out about all the anger and hatred in the world in this politically charged atmosphere. You could get into a debate. Telling, telling somebody that you work with somewhere, you know, at the water cooler how much you love Donald Trump? I'm not kidding you. There's so much anger and hatred toward this man, which I, which just makes me crazy. You can get your head blown off. I'm sorry. That's the, that's the harsh reality here. 
Good morning, Orlando. Tuesday morning at the top of the 8 o'clock hours. We update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic for you here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning an ex employee kills five and then himself at an Orlando business. And BP money is going to eight coastal Florida counties. We'll have the details in one minute. And an approach to shutting down radicalization of terrorists online that you may never have heard before. You'll hear it in a moment here on Good Morning Orlando. Good Tuesday morning. It's 8.03 on News Radio 1025. The victims in the deadly shooting at Fiamma Incorporated have been identified. Orange County Sheriff Jerry Deming said Robert Snyder, Brenda Montanez Crespo, Kevin Clark, Kevin Lawson, and Jeffrey Roberts were all killed yesterday at the company's offices. Off of, uh, off of University. Deming says four, four victims were found dead at the scene. One died at ORMC. The sheriff says most of the victims were shot in the head and some of them were shot multiple times. The shooter was identified as former disgruntled employee, 45-year-old John R- Robert Newman Jr. This news brought to you by Tresco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. In other news, Russian agents reportedly used so-called spear phishing emails to try to hack into a U.S. voting software company. That's according to a class classified NSA report leaked to The Intercept. A 25-year-old federal contractor named Reality Lee Winner is now under arrest today for allegedly distributing that information to the website. The report claims Russian intelligence officials sent emails to more than 120 government addresses to try to trick employees into opening a document containing malware. It's not clear, however, how successful the attempt was. The first day of Bill Cosby's sexual assault trial is over. Cosby showed up to court yesterday for the first day of his sexual assault trial with actress Keisha Knight Pullman by his side. I came to support because this is where you hear the facts. This is where the truth happens. The 79-year-old is accused of drugging and sexually assaulting former Temple University employee Andrea Constant in 2004. In opening statements yesterday, prosecutors say Cosby used his power and fame to take advantage of women. However, the comedian's lawyer says Constant and Cosby had a consensual romantic relationship. The jury is seven men and five women also heard testimony from another woman who accused Cosby of a similar assault nearly a decade before the alleged incident with Constant. Dozens of women have come forward with sexual mis- conduct allegations against Cosby, but this is the only one that can be criminally prosecuted because of the statute of limitations. Back here in the Sunshine State, BP is paying the state $2 billion in damages for the Gulf oil spill, and the governor has signed a new law to make sure most of that money goes to eight coastal counties in North Florida. Senator George Gaynor says Rick Scott gets the credit for making sure that money wasn't gobbled up by the legislature and spent elsewhere. We have really got a great governor who has kept everybody shoot off of this money ever since it landed in Tallahassee. I mean, everybody's wanted a little bit of this money, and I don't know why. BP has already delivered $400 million to the state, and the remainder of the $2 billion settlement will be paid off in yearly installments that don't end until 2033. And finally, today is the 73rd anniversary of D-Day. It's going to be uh, marked throughout the morning on Good Morning Orlando. It was on this day back in 1944 that thousands of Allied troops invaded the beaches of Normandy, France. That event marked the beginning of the end of Nazi Germany as Allied forces fought and died in World War II. The invasion, of course, was a success, and Germany surrendered less than a year later. Indeed they did, and we've been marking the occasion here with excerpts from the stirring address to the troops by uh, General Dwight Eisenhower, Supreme Commander, 
and the prayer to the troops and the nation by then-President Franklin Delano Roosevelt. And we'll continue with that in hour number three here, Deb. You can always count on it during Good Morning Orlando. WFLA News Time, it's 8.07. Watch as a man jumps out of his car and into a moving vehicle to save the driver who is having a seizure at the time. It's an amazing video. Check it out at 1025wfla.com. The third hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. News, weather, traffic. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. Well, heading are Deborah Roberts, Yaffe producing, Bryce screening, 407-916-5400 if you want to join the conversation on the 50,000-watt front porch. Or if texting works for you, the text line always open. Never a busy signal there, 23680. Going to focus on an interesting approach to shutting down terrorists online, which is a critical component of dealing with the scourge of radical Islamic terrorism here and around the world. And uh, stay tuned on that. And also, I um, I know many of you were not with us at 6 o'clock this morning. You know, we have five people who were slaughtered in the Fiyama, um facility, the workplace um, massacre. And, and I want you to know something about each one of these people. We're going to make them more than statistics. We did it at 6 o'clock, and we'll make time for it in this half hour as well. And uh, please stay with us on that score. And that's exactly what the family, that's what they want everyone's focus to be today, is on how these people lived rather than how they died. Amen to that, Deb. And we will we will try to do our very best. We don't have a lot of information on some of these uh, good people who were just cut down. And, 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 and it's just a horrible situation. But we'll help you get to know them at least somewhat here in a moment. We'll have that in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic as well for you in just two minutes here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Soldiers, sailors, and airmen of the Allied Expeditionary Force, you are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. 73 years ago, June 6, 1944, the voice of the Supreme Commander of the Allied Forces in Europe, General Dwight Eisenhower, and his stirring, inspirational address to the troops. Back in the aftermath of the uh, revenge killing, the workplace massacre that has dominated our conversation this morning, we'll get to that in a moment. And there are some things that you'll want to know about each of those five victims And as Deb said, putting the spotlight not on how they died, but on how they lived their lives that were cut short. But I don't want to take my eye off radical Islamic terrorism and the fight against it. I think our president is fighting the good fight against the enormous odds of the liberal courts and and the anti-Trump media, the ATM machine, as I call it. And he's trying to do what the Constitution charges a sitting president to do, and that is to protect and defend the people whom he serves and the Constitution, of course. So how do you deal with this problem of getting at these people who are being radicalized online in front of their computers in privacy How do you get at that? It's a vexing problem. But I want you to listen to something now from Professor Haney Fareed. He's the senior advisor on something called the Counter-Extremism 
project. Here he is explaining, and I'm not a high-tech guy, but I think this is easy enough for me to understand that you'll definitely get it, explaining how his algorithm that's been developed through the counter-extremism project is ready to ferret out radical Islamic terrorists the way the same technology has been used to ferret out sexual predators preying on children online. The way we dealt with the child pornography problem back in 2008, 2009, is we realized that we have this huge stash of known child pornography images, and we know that that content continually gets redistributed. So what we do is we reach into those images and we extract out a distinct digital signature, very much like human DNA, and that signature is stable over the lifetime of the medium. And so what that means is that we can sit at the pipe of a Facebook, a Twitter, a YouTube, or a Google, and every image, every video, every audio recording that comes in, we grab its signature, we compare it to a database of known bad content, and we filter it out. And we do that, by the way, with malware, we do it with viruses, we do it with spam. We have mechanisms to filter out things that we know are harmful to the Internet, and we simply have to deploy the technology at this point. Now, Haney Farid is the senior advisor on the Counter-Extremism Project, and he says that technology, are you ready? This is disturbing to me, has been offered free to the likes of Google and Facebook. So why, Professor, aren't they embracing it? And I don't have a good answer for that. I mean, we have been asking these companies for years, for decades, to do more uh, to mitigate the harm of what's happening on their network. I can tell you in the child pornography space, it took years and years and years of pressure. It took years and years of pressure from the legislators, from advertisers, from the media, and from the public for them to act. Left to their own devices, they don't want to filter out this content. It is not in their interests. So I think it's incredibly important that we keep having these conversations because I think it's frankly not in their financial interest to do it. Their entire business model leverages user content. Taking down content is bad for them. And I think it's really as simple as that. And without external pressure, we, saw the same, we see the same things playing out in the extremism space as in the child pornography space. They simply won't act until they are forced to. Well, they acted when it came to child pornography, Gaffey. It seems to me, you know, that they ought to be good corporate citizens here and avail themselves of this technology and go after radical Islamic terrorism online, seems to me. My only question would be, um, how would they do that? Because, you know, in child pornography, for instance, it's images, I'm guessing, is mostly what you're going after. But with terrorism i mean what exactly are you going are you going after speech are you going after words i mean i guess there would be some images you could take down you're going after people who are all over the jihadi websites etc see what it is they're consuming right and and that would be visuals involved in that yeah yeah i guess i you know i guess i I don't know isis execution videos or whatever you know yeah, I definitely could see taking those down. I'd have to look more into this technology and exactly how it worked mm-hmm. because I don't know how you would take down someone else's website if it was on some server somewhere. I guess you could take it down off the Google search engine or something. All right, fair enough. And, and listen, this is the first time I'd really run into this, and I thought it was important to get that information out there, and we will continue uh, to see what comes of it. My fellow Americans, in this poignant hour... I ask you to join with me in prayer. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor. 
the bold prayer of Franklin Delano Roosevelt, our president, when the D-Day invasion was about to happen 73 years ago, June 6, 1944, nationally broadcast on the radio and to all Americans and to our troops, and he wrote every word of it himself. Now, back to the um, five victims of this gunman at the Fiamma workplace. It's hard to imagine the emotional whipsaw for the family of Kevin Clark. On Sunday, Kevin Clark, age 53, from Winter Springs, was celebrating his son's graduation from Lyman High School with a huge family party. And now it turns to heartbreak. He was one of those who will never live to see another day. He follows into the grave his wife, Kelly, who died in 2010 at the age of 37, and uh, Kevin was raising their two kids, age 18 and 14, by himself. Despite all the adversity in his life, those who knew Kevin Clark said there was never a day when he was not happy despite the hardships. He always had a good attitude. Then there is Kevin Lawson, age 47, from Longwood, a husband and a father, worked in shipping and receiving at Fiamma. And um, he seemed to love his job. He gave him a real positive review online of the quality of customer service and product that he said was excellent, that he recommend to anybody. He uh, was in the ROTC back in high school, loved to ride motorcycles. People who knew Kevin Lawson said, you could not ask for a better friend than him. Another victim was 44-year-old Brenda Montanez Crespo. She's the first face that you would see when you walked into Fiamma. Described as someone who was a ray of sunshine with a smile that would light up a room and the sweetest woman in the world. And then there is Jeff Roberts, who died as well, age 57. He and his wife married for 37 years, described as a wonderful dad, an amazing grandfather, a good manager, a strong leader who treated his co-workers with uh, dignity and respect. And finally, Robert Snyder, typically stopped by a billiards uh, parlor and and bar on the way home from work at Fiamma uh, to play a couple of rounds of pool and have a beer before heading home to his wife, Lois. They said he was a wonderful, kind, fair man who loved his family and his work. That you couldn't ask for a better man. That he was just a hell of a guy. And he's gone. They're all gone. And we don't exactly know what set off former Fiamma employee fired in April, John Newman Jr. A neighbor said he can't believe it. He says he didn't know him very well, but he always seemed to be, um, you know, a fairly normal guy. He did have a record, and a couple of years ago, um, he had been involved in uh, apparently battering an employee at Fiamma, but there were charges uh, were never filed. Uh, he did um, have a, a record on a number of charges dating back to the mid-90s on larceny, fleeing, and eluding law enforcement, several marijuana possession charges as well. The neighbor said he thinks that he was under stress after being fired, even though he said at the time, according to the neighbor, he wouldn't explain why he was fired which remains something of a mystery today, but that he would say it was all my fault, all my fault, that he didn't seem to be blaming anyone for his termination, which doesn't compute with the concept of a revenge killing. 
what this seems to be. He targeted these five people, spared the lives of the others who fled Fiyama for their lives. Many more things we need to know, but particularly for the victims, we wanted them to become more than just statistics. When we talk about a story like this on Good Morning Orlando on WFLA, and this is basically what we know this morning with much more we have yet to learn. Deborah Roberts alongside me now here on Good Morning Orlando to update us on the big story of the morning. Of course, it's the shooting that happened yesterday at Fiyama Incorporated. And we know a little bit more about the man who opened fire on his former co-workers at that Orange County business Monday morning. According to Sheriff Jerry Demings, the shooter was identified as John Robert Newman Jr., This individual lives alone, uh, has no family here in the area. Uh, We are trying to understand as much about him as we possibly can. What I can tell you is that uh, our records indicate that he is a veteran of the U.S. Army, uh, discharged honorably back in 1999. Demings also said Newman had worked there several years and had a negative relationship with at least one of his former co-workers. The sheriff said Newman specifically targeted his victims but told a temp employee to leave the building. Seven people inside the building survived. Newman had been fired by uh, from Fiamma last April. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. And, of course, all five of his victims have been identified in earlier this hour, but I know you were talking more about them so that, you know, as their family said, they really want us to focus on how these folks live their lives rather than how they died. All good people held in such high regard, yeah. and, it, and it, it's just, it just is heartbreaking. You know, it really is. It is. It really is. Our, 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 just, our hearts, our prayers go out to the family. I don't know how you ever um, deal with something like this. We're, we're just, again, doing what we can to try to enlighten as best we can folks on how these, how these folks live their lives, as you said, as opposed to how they died. Exactly. So let's, have, uh, let's talk about if you're feeling not quite accomplished today. Because I know after reading this story, I'm feeling like I could do a lot more with my day. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you on that. A San Diego half marathon is a record setter. 94-year-old Harriet Thompson. It's just 13 miles. I know, yeah. <laughs> Finished the rock and roll half marathon this weekend in just under three hours and 43 minutes. I don't know anyone 94 who can drive 13 miles. I don't either. <laughs> it's just amazing that she can run it. I know. She's the oldest woman to ever finish a half marathon. Mm. Thousands of spectators lined the street leading up to the finish and cheered her on as she approached. Two years ago, but Thompson became the oldest woman to run a full marathon. At 92, she goes 26 miles? 26. Oh, she's dead. I know. She's a former concert pianist and cancer survivor who ran on behalf of the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society's team in training. Isn't that a good story? Remarkable story. A remarkable story. It's supposed to inspire me, but it just makes me, reminds me how lazy and out of shape I am. (laughs) Now you know how I feel when I read it. I'm I'm thinking I wouldn't walk 13 miles for anything (laughs) that I could think of. To me, it sounds like I should wait till I'm 90 to do a marathon. 
Yeah. Now, see, that's some brilliant thinking right there. <laughs> You've got this fully rationalized, don't you? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> For your slothful behavior. It didn't even take me long to think about it. <laughs> I mean, I, I did, I'm, I'm really convicted by her because the idea that, that you could take that kind of care of yourself, that you were capable of such a thing at 94. I know. And as a cancer survivor. I need survivor. to shape up. <laughs> <laughs> we all do. I'm not, no, I'm not capable at 31. <laughs> I know. Oh, exactly. Exactly. What a story. And uh, for all of those who've been sitting in traffic this morning, because, of course, with the early morning rain, we had a mess on a lot of area roads. You'll be happy to know testing is underway on a new propeller-driven prototype of a flying car. Oh, boy. Yeah. The test model is being developed by the Japanese company um, Carv... Uh, Cartivator in partnership with Toyota. The test model took off several times, hovering at eye level for a few seconds before making a hard landing. Basketballs attached to the bottom served as cushioning. Really? Decidedly low tech. So you land and then you go dribbling down the street? Is that what happens? <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> the project leader said he took inspiration from the DeLorean flying car in Back to the Future. So hopefully we'll be seeing uh, that car model on the roads real soon. All I know is we're taking a mission to the sun. I know. If we can do that, we should get a flying car. I agree. I wholeheartedly agree. If we had a flying car on the market, tested well affordable, would you guys drive one? Yes. Or fly one? 100%. I don't know yeah. if I would bring ever, to work every day. <laughs> I don't know if I would ever have a level of trust enough to do that. Would yeah. you do it? Oh, yeah. Really? I mean, it would have to be tested well yeah. and everything. I don't want to be the first one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> Deb, Never goes well for the test for. Can I, can I just say, because we all know Leadfoot Roberts over here. What? Your biggest problem would be, when are they going to develop a flying car that goes faster than you drive? <laughs> that's that's what's going to take some work, Yaffe. Yeah, I'll find that wormhole. Yeah. <laughs> Just let me go to Mach 10. <laughs> All right, good stuff. Deb, with the news, and uh, I think we need a break and some fun, and, and, and we just had some, and that's good stuff, partner. Thank you, bud. It's good All to right. have you back, too. Oh, it's nice to be here. And uh, we're going to have the uh, sound judgment game for prizes later on. Got something I need to say on medical marijuana that's making me a little bit crazy this morning. In company with our brave allies and brothers in arms on other fronts, you will bring about the destruction of the German war machine, the elimination of Nazi tyranny over the oppressed peoples of Europe, and security for ourselves in a free world. The address to the troops, just as the D-Day invasion was about to unfold, 73 years ago, June 6, 1944, by then-general and um, supreme commander of the Allied forces, the one and only Ike, Dwight D. Eisenhower. We've been um, saluting our D-Day veterans all morning long here with excerpts from from the Eisenhower speech and FDR's prayer to the troops and the American people broadcast live on radio. Now, you know, I come back from a couple of days away to this absurdity, twin absurdities related to medical marijuana, passed as a constitutional amendment by the people of Florida with a stunning 71% majority a year ago last November. Or last November. Last November, yes, the second time around, last November, okay? And when the legislature had the whole session, they couldn't get it together. 
and the whole thing was left unresolved. A whole bunch of issues about how are we going to implement medical marijuana for people with these debilitating conditions or dealing with chronic pain and all kinds of things. And we're trying not to turn them into zombies with these opiates and these, these high-powered prescription drugs. And, and here is something that seems to work for a lot of people and well-regulated and supervised and approved by a medical doctor. I am supportive of medical marijuana the way the amendment was rewritten for the second time around last November. And so many of you backed it, and now we don't have the thing together. And if it doesn't happen by the 1st of July, the Department of Health is going to have to administer how this whole medical marijuana thing is going to work. It is outrageous. The legislature has a special session coming up later on this week. I don't see medical marijuana on the agenda. It needs to be there. They need to do more than fix the education bill that's a nightmare or deal with this funding of tourism promotion, which Governor Rick Scott is all ticked off about. We need medical marijuana there. But then I also take a look. Yesterday, the Orlando City Council, okay, they end the moratorium on dispensaries for medical marijuana, and they pass unanimously... Permitting seven dispensaries within the city. Okay? I don't think it's enough. But listen to this. Those dispensaries cannot be set up within 200 feet of any home or 1,000 feet of any schools or within a mile of each other. What is going on here? On every street corner, you've got a CVS and then you've got a Walgreens and you can get dispensed to you with a doctor's prescription, high-powered painkillers that will turn you into a zombie. And nobody has a problem with that. You can live near that, the drugstore. Come on, give me a break. I mean, this sounds like the rules they set out for where sexual predators can't live. Well, they can't live within a 1,000 feet of a school. Or this and that. Oh, come on with medical marijuana. Stop dragging your feet, doggone it. The people have spoken. This is nonsense. we got a bunch of morons in public office in this state. Boy, it's good to be back. Let's play sound judgment, shall we, and give away a nice prize. You're on the 50,000-watt front porch. Contestants, 407-916-5400. All right, we backed the sound judgment game into the final segment of the show because we had so many other things we needed to talk about. We are ready with the game, and here is the prize we're playing for. Bryce? A four-pack of passes to advanced screening of The Mummy before it even hits theaters. This summer, welcome to a new world of gods and monsters. Universal Pictures presents Tom Cruise in The Mummy. In theaters, real... Real D, 3D, IMAX 3D, June 9th, rated PG-13. And you're going to the movies on us. Are you ready? During this D-Day edition of Good Morning Orlando, we have been playing World War II sound clips from the D-Day address addressed to the troops by the Supreme Commander of the Allied Forces, General Dwight Eisenhower, who, of course, went on to become President of the United States. As you listen to some sound from an old newsreel on Eisenhower, listen and then use your sound judgment to tell me what number President Eisenhower was. Hint, President Trump is number 45. Dwight D. Eisenhower, sincere and vigorous, a man in any cloth, soldier, educator, or statesman. 
architect of victory in Europe. In World War II, he swept the forces of Hitler to total defeat. General Eisenhower engaged in the biggest battle of his career, the battle for the White House, and won an emphatic victory. There you go. Now tell me, what number president was Ike? Dwight Eisenhower, line two, go ahead. Line two. 34. Say it again. 34. No, but very, very close. Thanks for trying. 407-916-5400. Line one, go ahead. The 35th. Nope, not 35, but you're in the ballpark. Let's go to the toll-free. Go ahead. What president was he? He is gone. He dropped off. Line four, quickly. What number president was Eisenhower? One million. You're an idiot. All right, let's go. Line three, you're up next. Go ahead. What number? 34th. No, no, no. You're all close, guys. Let's go to line two. What number president was Eisenhower? 32. No, you're surrounding it. Line one, if you've been listening, you know the answer. Go ahead. 33. Yes, absolutely right, and congratulations. What's your first name? I'm almost out of time. Ed. Ed, do not go away. Stay on the line. I'm going to put you on hold. Bryce will make arrangements. You're going to the Mummy movie on us, okay? That should be fun, and congratulations. Boy, it has been a really wild ride and a good show. Thanks to the best audience in talk radio, to Deb, to Yaffe, Price, and the whole team. By the way, catch Yaffe in his primetime show, Beyond Reason, tonight, starting at 8. Don't miss it. We'll catch you tomorrow morning. Thank you, God bless you, and God bless America.